Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of RISE Radio. I'm your host, Eileen McDonald, the Editorial Director of RISE, and joining me today is Dr. Angela Husky, Senior Vice President and Chief Clinical Officer at Millennium Health. Dr. Husky's work at Millennium Health includes the harnessing of data through the company's analytics platform to create real-time trend reports that identify emerging drug threats. She'll be discussing some of these findings during a special presentation on preventing overdoses and saving lives at RISE's upcoming Part D Masterclass, which will take place in August in Nashville. And welcome Dr. Husky to RISE Radio. I'm very excited to have you here today. Hi, Eileen, thank you. I am really excited and appreciative to be part of your show today. Um, Before we really dig deep into your findings and the presentation. Could you give our listeners a little background on Millennium Health and your work there? Yeah, absolutely. So Millennium Health, we are a specialty laboratory and we're focused uniquely on providing medication monitoring and clinical drug testing services. Our state-of-the-art laboratory is located in San Diego and we provide testing for clinicians in all 50 states. Uh, We are CAP accredited and CLIA and HITRUST certified, which helps to ensure the quality and accuracy of our testing, our reporting, and the security of the healthcare information that we're entrusted with. Um, Our focus at Millennium has always been on providing timely, accurate, and clinically actionable results to the providers who order our testing for their patients at risk for drug use or misuse or those even currently in treatment for a substance use disorder. You know, drug testing in these settings can help to identify potential misuse or diversion or even an early relapse. In the clinical setting, uh, drug testing results can help a clinician make a more informed decision for that individual patient when they get a report. Uh, But now, as you mentioned in my bio and and the intro, we're working to also as a company highlight the impact that real-time reporting of overall drug, t- drug trends on the local, regional, and national level uh, can have in, in saving lives. Uh, because of the information we collect around drug positivity nationally, we're uniquely positioned to inform not only clinicians, uh, but regulators and first responders and, and clinicians about uh, changing drug trends. And this will be my focus for the presentation uh, in August as well. So interesting. What sparked your interest in addiction and substance abuse disorders? Well, early in my career and and prior to joining Millennium Health about 10 years ago, I was a practicing clinician. Uh, I did my residency in pain management, palliative care, and addiction. And uh, I spent many years caring for patients with comorbid pain and substance use disorders. And so, uh, you know, I certainly had great interest in it at that time, uh, but it grew and became honestly a true mission for me when a family member was diagnosed with substance use disorder and went into recovery. It was uh, a scary time for me, uh, as I would imagine others have experienced. And I decided to dive into learning everything I could about substance use disorders so that I could make my work matter and be more meaningful for my family member, 
but also for the substance use disorder community as a whole. Uh, today, I'm lucky to have a team of talented clinicians and colleagues uh, that I work with and I use that experience with my family member as an inspiration to make my work matter by focusing on ways to use data and education to help those with and those caring for substance use disorder. So it's a real passion project for you. That's, that's wonderful. Um, I know that in your presentation in August, you're gonna focus on the real-time drug use trend data to identify these emerging drug threats. And I wonder um, what you can share about that program and how you um, track these trends. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to bring a little bit of the information today to your audience, but most importantly, some you know, real specifics to the presentation in August about how we're using uh, available real-time information about what patients are abusing to inform and bring awareness to uh, those who are on the front lines. And so, you know, a little bit of background in my role at Millennium over many years, even before this program, I would watch the positivity of drugs um, often change very quickly or often be very different in one region versus another. Um, and, this, and the signals, I call them, that I would observe uh, that sort of was my spark for uh, creating this program were often early indicators to what we would in fact find out later through uh, more lagging reports like overdose deaths and, and hospitalizations and drug confiscations. Um, and so I saw, you know, these observations led my team and I to develop the Millennium Emerging Threat Intelligence Program or we call the ETI program because we saw those signals much earlier and we felt that that information in the hands of those who also have the additional information of hospitalizations and overdose deaths uh, could be a valuable piece of information and could have a positive impact on reducing the negative effect of, of this problem in our communities. So it's a product of many years of work, um, uh, having a state-of-the-art lab, having a compassionate set of an, uh, colleagues and employees, and really, as you also mentioned in the intro, some investment in some great analytical capabilities to be able to not only just have this data, but give it back to the end users in a way that they can do something with it. And we've been able to do that through a couple of projects. We officially launched the ETI program about 18 months ago when we announced a collaboration with the US Department of Health and Human Services to provide them with real-time reports of drug trends across the country. Um, in that program, our data through, through the US Department of Health and Human Services is shared with other agencies, um, all focused on the opioid epidemic and it's used to better allocate, for example, resources specific to a problem and specific to a locale. Um, and I'll just mention lastly, and again, you know, I'll bring more information to the presentation in August, but that same work that, that we started out doing with uh, HHS, we've more recently now expanded at the state level with partners such as the Ohio Department of Public Safety and some academic centers. And so I'm excited to get the information out there and see who may be willing to use this information in their, their daily work. It's so important. And over the years, I've covered a lot about the opioid epidemic, but I wondered 
you know, especially since you launched this about 18 months ago, what kind of drug use trends were you tracking um, up to and then during the pandemic? Did, 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 is there any notable um, stats that you can share with us and how it may have changed? Yeah, absolutely. And there was extreme notable differences. And I'll mention, I've, I've read the things that you have written recently on this and they're very much on point. I think, um, you know, back in September, we published a study co-authored with uh, HHS and JAMA comparing drug use trends specifically before and after the declaration uh, of COVID as a national emergency. And I think, you know, everyone um, may have suspected that those drug use trends would go up. And, And in fact, that's exactly what we saw. We reported that compared to the period just before COVID, so a six month period before COVID was declared a national emergency and into six months after, we saw a significant increase in drug use for cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, and methamphetamine. Um, And I'll bring some of that, I think the other thing, I'll bring some of that information to your audience in August. The other really more staggering thing that we saw was that there were extreme differences regionally. And so back to sort of my point, earlier, having that information early and upfront may help those on the front lines to determine which resources needed where. Um, You know, since COVID, uh, we certainly saw really steep uh, high rises. You know, for example, we saw that patients were about 20% more likely to be tested positive for cocaine, 70% more likely to be tested positive for fentanyl, uh, about 30% more likely to be tested positive for heroin, and about 25% more likely to be tested positive for methamphetamine when you compare the period just before and just after COVID. And um, through those statistics, you can hear fentanyl and methamphetamine, which is what we're all very concerned about today, had the highest increases. Now, since um, Since that time, since we published that back in September, we do continue to see increases, particularly in fentanyl and methamphetamine. The cocaine and heroin positivity rates and use rates went down uh, either to the pre-COVID levels or maybe a little lower. And what we're seeing now is is the problem is really focused in fentanyl and methamphetamine. Um, I mentioned we're seeing remarkable differences in different parts of the country, which is really important information because one solution in one part of the country may not be the solution in another. Um, you know, methamphetamine continues to be widely available in the Midwest and West, where it was historically a huge problem. Uh, but now we're seeing significant growth in the Northeast. And I think that that sometimes is, is shocking to clinicians and, and others. And uh, some, again, some of these regional differences will be highlighted uh, when we speak in August. It really is scary, <laughs> all these statistics that you're, you're saying. And, you know, our audience is primarily in the Medicare, Medicare Advantage space. So I wonder, how is the substance use affecting that population? And have you seen it change in recent years? Yeah, drastically. And and I would say the change in this population maybe is even more important to note and more extreme than the change in the general population. And what I mean by that is that in our data prior to the pandemic, for those greater than 65 years old, we were seeing decreasing rates of drug use. So even, Mm. you know, compare back to 2015 or 16, from then until current, prior to the pandemic, we were seeing those rates go down. 
but during COVID and like all of the age groups and some of the things I just discussed, we saw a clear increase in that age group where we had prior seen a decrease. And that increase was also again in methamphetamine and fentanyl. And so, you know, you know this and your audience knows this, that substance use and overdose deaths, it's not a problem just specific to the young. Um, in fact, alcohol and prescription drug misuse or illicit drug use affects up to 20, 20, 17 to 20% of adults over the age of 60. Um, I'll mention too that the family member that was my inspiration and my passion for growing this program was in that demographic. Um, uh, you know, the isolation, you, you know, pandemic really caused a lot of isolation for all of us, but for that group specifically because of their higher risk. Um, and so the isolation probably led to some of that increase. According to an OIG report, about 5,000 Medicare beneficiaries per month suffered an opioid overdose during the first eight months of 2020. I, I had to read that statistic over and over and I had to dig into that report because that was a staggering number even for me being in this every day. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, the new CDC data just came out moments before you and I got on this call. So we can talk about that a little bit. Um, overdose deaths have risen to uh, highest levels ever uh, in, in 2020, uh, likely because of the pandemic, but also complicated by fentanyl. It's so sad. It's, it's so awful. Um, it is, and it's such a problem. You know, the good news is, you know, there's a lot of focus on it. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, attention. And there are some things being put in place, you know, new things that we haven't done before, uh, but it, it is something that is gonna take a multi-pronged approach. None of these approaches are gonna be, you know, the magic bullet. Right, I, I know that, you know, we talk a lot about the drug overdose, but, you know, alcohol use is also um, a drug and so accessible. What are your thoughts on those dangers? Yeah, I, it's a really good point. And particularly for the population that we're, you know, focusing on and speaking of today, you know, we can't lose sight of the dangers of alcohol use, uh, which has also been increasing during the pandemic. Uh, it is the most used substance among older adults, according to the CDC, and it remains the leading cause of preventable death in the United States. So uh, contributes to over 95,000 deaths per year due to alcohol-related disorders, although I'll tell you, as I just mentioned, the, the new CDC data came out this morning about overdoses, and we're reaching that number in drug overdose deaths as well. Uh, People aged 45 to 74 have the highest rates of deaths related to alcohol. What are your thoughts? I know you said there's no one size kind of fits all approach that it depends, but what can we do to address these dangers? And is there anything specific for that Medicare population that my listeners can, can do? I think a lot of things are happening right now. You know, what we're focused on and what you know, as a company, what we want to bring to the table and what we're talking about today is surveillance and additional timely information. 
um, because these drug trends evolve at such a rapid pace, surveillance efforts are really important. We are starting to see what used to be some of the lagging data come out much quicker, which I think makes it much more useful. Um, our ETI program, we believe, is a key component, at least, in impacting the toll that this is having. So giving more relevant and timely information to those who then have other information and can determine uh, what resources are needed and what solutions are needed. You know, groups like NIDA are funding research into better treatment options today. Uh, there have been efforts to increase access to medications uh, treating SUD, you know, such as buprenorphine, and, and, and there have been even more open access attempts during the pandemic, which I think have been helpful. Uh, specific to the Medicare population, there have been new tools developed. Uh, they're available on the SAMHSA website. Clinicians, they, they help clinicians to talk to older adults about medications and alcohol use, as you mentioned. Uh, and they give links that links and resources for that population specifically that clinicians can use. And you're talking about the SAMHSA website? Mm -hmm. SAMHSA. SAMHSA. And um, when you say SUD, that's substance use disorder? Order. I apologize. No, no, that's okay. I just want to make sure. Um, a lot of my audience are Medicare Advantage plans, other health plans. Is there anything that you could suggest from that side of the industry, what maybe they can do to help address yeah. this? Yeah, it's a great question. From our perspective, we feel like there's, you know, quite a bit they can do. And we work with many of our health plan partners uh, in that capacity. I think health plans can play a crucial role in educating clinicians, obviously, but also members and even their family members uh, about drug use trends, maybe perhaps uh, via brochures or newsletters or webinars. As I mentioned, we work with many of our contracted health plans to provide those drug use trends information and maps to them. And they're often shared in newsletters and webinars, uh, informing healthcare providers regarding the current most uh, important and dangerous information about drug trends uh, may help to change their approach to their patient population. And I'll, I'll get, try to give an example here. You know, what we track is what are patients using today? So through the positivity of urine drug test, we know what patients are using today. What has been some of the most impactful information uh, has been the co-positivity trends. So we've reported on things such as fentanyl in heroin or fentanyl in oxycodone. Uh, and these are usually contaminated sources. Sometimes they're intentional combinations, but if clinicians, uh, if health plans and then clinicians have information about drugs that are contaminated in a certain area, in a certain supply, giving that information to what may be the user may change that behavior, may uh, deter them from using. And, and we get those signals pretty quick. So if there is a supply, for example, uh, of fentanyl and an outbreak um, in the heroin supply in a certain area, we usually see that pretty quick. And so getting that information again to the clinicians and perhaps the end user may change uh, their choices, uh, or it may change the clinician's ability to manage that patient more closely or more frequently or with a different outcome, it may change the treatment plan as well. Your work is so important and I'm 
I'm really looking forward to learning more at your presentation at the Part D Masterclass. But, you know, I, and I thank you so much for your time today. Before we close, I wondered if you had any final, final thoughts or any kind of takeaways you want our listeners to um, leave uh, from our discussion. Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think this discussion has been great. I appreciate the opportunity to give an overview of what we're doing. I'm grateful uh, to be able to speak about the information and Millennium's programs uh, today, but also again in, in August where hopefully I can bring more detail. Um, you know, I'll close by saying likely nearly all of us have experienced the broad consequences related to the substance abuse crisis. And some of us have been affected very personally. Uh, my team and I don't lose sight of our ultimate goal, which is to help those with substance use disorder uh, through not only our testing services and providing accurate and timely information there, uh, but through our data and the programs and the publications and the education that we're putting out there around these evolving drug trends. We do believe that the use of real-time data for tracking these dangerous trends um, such as that, as we talked about today in our uh, Emerging Threats Intelligent Program, will more quickly alert uh, health officials and health plans and clinicians and first responders about trends in their communities. And so I hope to continue to find partners and collaborators to expand our reach with that information. I look forward to a more intimate discussion uh, with the attendees at your conference. And again, I'm very thankful for your interest and engagement today. We're thankful too for everything you've done and the work you continue to do. And I will see you in August. Sounds great.